This past September, Storm Daniel brought devastation to Greece, Turkey and Bulgaria before causing catastrophic loss of life in Libya. Heavy rain and thunderstorms produced more than a month's worth of rain in a few hours. Storm Daniel was what's known as a medicane, an extreme weather phenomenon that can occur over the Mediterranean Sea. Showing hurricane-like features and packing strong winds and heavy rain, these unique storms may become more intense as our climate warms. Hello and welcome to the MedIron Podcast. I'm Noel Fitzpatrick. And I'm Liz Walsh. This month we are exploring medicanes, how they form, their impacts and the efforts made to understand and forecast them. To help us explore these storms, we are joined by Dr. Florian Pantheon, researcher with the National Centre for Scientific Research in Toulouse in France. Hello, Florian, and welcome to the Met Aaron podcast. So, Florian, can you tell me what what exactly is a Medicaine? Yeah, so the short version is Medicaine, where this name comes from. It's a contraction of Mediterranean hurricane. So it sounds easy. The long version is much more complex, and we could discuss this for hours. And there's no clear consensus between the scientists and researchers in meteorology, but we'll try to get a okay. simple idea of this. So the fact that it has, it almost has hurricane in the name, does that mean that these storms are, are a bit like hurricanes? Yeah, exactly. So maybe we can start from where this comes from. Um, I mean, some people started noticing in the in 1980s in satellite pictures that some storms would look like hurricanes in the Mediterranean. Like, would like tropical cyclones. Obviously, in the Mediterranean, it's, you're not in the tropics. So you don't expect, I mean, there are a lot of cyclones, but usually they look very different. So that's how it started. And so what does it mean? A tropical cyclone, you have, you can, you have this uh, classical idea of the, the eye of the storm. So there's an eye without clouds. And then there are strong uh, winds, uh, clouds, convection around. So this is something very, very specific. So the first approach was really visual. So people just spotted this from satellite imagery. And so just getting back to why we're we're talking about medicanes in the first place, we've, listeners might have heard of one recently, and, and that's kind of Storm Daniels. I mean, unfortunately, this, this storm was in the media because there were a lot of fatalities, like more than 10,000 fatalities in, uh, in Libya. And so, of course, people started wondering, yeah, what is, what, what was with this specific storm? Uh, it was called Daniel, and it was, or it is, or it is not, again, um, a, a Medicaid. But this reminds us that this storm can have a huge impact. So, as you say, we, we are hearing a bit about them at the moment. We're seeing them in, in the media a bit more, or storms similar to, to Medicaid's. But they're not new storms, are they? I mean, these, these storms have been around for quite some time. Yeah, exactly. So, again, so we know about this storm. I mean, the first uh, encounters um, documented were in the 1980s from satellite imagery. Because basically, I mean, if you are somewhere and you are hit by a storm, you don't know whether it's a Medicaid, it's a specific storm, it's just a storm. So to, to notice it's something special, you need to take distance. And this is, well, this is a lot by satellites. And so we have this permanent satellite coverage since the 1980s. So there are a few documented cases from the 1980s. And then, for some reasons, scientists became interested in these specific cyclones. And so we know more and more about them. But still, there are rare cyclones. These medicaments appear maybe about once per year. And so we don't have hundreds and thousands of cases. It's still something something we are learning about somehow. So where in the Mediterranean do they normally form then, Florian? Okay, so, so there are two, two hotspots. One is uh, around the Balearic Islands. 
and one the other hotspot is in the uh, over the Union Sea, so between uh, Greece, southern Italy, and uh, Libya, basically. And then this is where they form, and then of course they move so they can arrive in different regions. So we we know that they form in in a number of regions in the Mediterranean. What kind of ingredients do you need for these storms to form? I mean, we know from hurricanes, we talked about them in a previous episode, that you require um, high sea surface temperatures. Is is it the same for these storms? So that's one thing. You need a warm sea, even though the the Mediterranean is not as warm as the tropical ocean. I mean, for tropical cyclones, we say, oh, there's a a threshold of 26 or 26.5 degrees. That's a lot for the Mediterranean. So it's not very usual, even though the Mediterranean is warm. But what happens is that because we are not in the tropics, the air, the atmosphere is also much colder. So what helps is the strong contrast between the atmosphere and uh, sea temperatures. But still, this makes that um, there are preferred um, seasons for the development of these medicanes, which are more autumn and winter. Because what happens, I mean, in summer, well, the sea is warm, but the atmosphere is also warm. Mm-hmm. There's not much going on. Uh, in autumn, the, the sea is still very warm. I mean, it's very nice for holidays in the Mediterranean. Uh, but the atmosphere is cooling. And in winter, well, it's the sea is still warmer than the atmosphere. You don't want to go swimming in the Mediterranean, but it's still uh, much warmer than the atmosphere in winter. So the, it's this contrast that uh, that helps the development of these uh, Mediterraneans. And certainly that's something that we like we see in, in Ireland with the cold uh, high tops in the atmosphere and the difference in temperature and between, you know, the ground and the, the cold air above. And that can create like these really tall shower clouds that um, that can sometimes form into thunderstorms. And um, so this is what's happening in the Mediterranean kind of. And that's why it's more so in the autumn and winter, because in the Mediterranean in the summertime, I guess we're kind of have this these big high pressures that kind of stick around the continental Europe. So there's not really, that kind of stacks all the way up. So there's no real low pressure at the top of the atmosphere, right? Um, so there's no no reason for convection to occur or convection showers, big thunderstorms to happen over the sea. But in the wintertime, we do get low pressure forming over this area. And then that's why we have that the cold tops and the combination of the high sea sea temperatures and that causes the thunderstorms to occur, right? So basically, when you're looking for a medicaine, like, you know, say you're the res- you're a researcher looking for a medicaine, what's the first thing that you notice? Is it is it the fact that you've got a ring forming of thunderstorms? Is that is that the first idea that it might be forming? Or do you even go far, further back? Is it more just you're just looking at the general situation, synoptic situation of where the lows and the highs are? Well, you need a cyclone to yeah. get a Mediterranean. I mean, it's a specific category of cyclone. I mean, there are plenty of cyclones in the Mediterranean. There are hundreds every year. I mean, mm. Many of them are weak, some are intense. And among them, there's maybe one, right. which may qualify as a Mediterranean. So, of course, that's the first criterion. You need a cyclone. Then uh, the obvious thing is, again, to look at satellite observations just for the appearance of this cyclone. And so you would expect it to look symmetric, like unlike classical mid-latitude cyclones, unlike classical Mediterranean cyclones, mm-hmm. you would not see these fronts. I mean, this you can also recognize it from satellite observations. So you see a much more symmetric structure. And you might have, again, this eye, so a center, which is um, cloud-free, and some convection may be organized around this center. So that's, that's how you spot it, basically. 
from satellite observations or for for uh, predictions of course if you if you look for what's happening in the next the next days and in terms of the the structure of that storm then in 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 terms of the storms that maybe we're more used to here in Ireland they have a feature where generally the the intensity or the wind speeds increase as you go up in height through the atmosphere but with these storms that's different you can have some of the strongest wind speeds near the surface is that right yeah so what, that's what we call the the warm core um, the exact definition on how what is the warm and the cold core is a bit too technical i think but warm course, I mean, it, it sounds nice to have a warm core. Uh, it's not necessarily nice. Uh, that's, again, something that occurs in tropical cyclones. So what happens in tropical cyclones is that uh, the energy is from convection, from thunderstorms that pump the, the energy from the, from the warm ocean again. And this warms also the atmosphere by uh, condensation. So that's something you would expect for, for medicanes. And this is what makes the core warm, and this is also something that creates strong winds close to the surface, as you said, or close to the boundary layer, unlike extratropical cyclones. So this would be the next step somehow to distinguish, well, some cyclones which for some random reason just looks a bit symmetric, maybe looks like a tropical cyclone. This happens. I mean, if you if you follow the life cycle of an extratropical cyclone, at the end when it's mature or when it treats the occlusion, you might have this kind of, well, symmetric structure. So that could be just by chance. So this warm core is a, another criterion to say, okay, now we get some insights that it's not a, a classical cyclone. Yeah. And so how would you how would you know that it's warm core? Would you be able to take observations from the satellite? Like, you know, temperature observations from the satellite? Is that how you'd figure that out? Or would it be passing over kind of buoys in the Mediterranean Sea or something? So, um, well, it depends a lot whether it's in a, an operational context. I mean, if it's happening now, yeah. or if it's happened like 20 yeah. years ago. Okay, so yeah, yeah. So because these cases are rare in the research, we used to look at past cases. Mm-hmm. And one constraint is that there are not so many observations. So there are satellite observations. But with satellite observation, you mainly see what happens at the top of the clouds. There are not many observations of radio soundings in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. Yeah. I mean, no one wants to release a radio sound when there's a storm coming, basically. So we rely a lot of uh, analysis data, of model data for the past, okay. which indicate also, well, this uh, warm core, for instance, or which gives more insight about the, the structure of the storms. So this has been used um, a lot to try to classify these past cases into, well, Medicanes or not Medicanes, um, particularly looking for this uh, for this uh, warm core. And and again, just to like get back to the the warm core, the reason why the warm core is important is because that means it, like it, it has the profile that the cyclone strength like decreases with height. So that means that the strongest winds in a warm core um, cyclone are at the bottom. Whereas in normally in the mid latitudes with the storms that we get coming across the Atlantic or whatever, the cold, a cold core cyclone, the um, that has a profile of cyclone strength that increases with height, and that means that the strongest winds are at the top. I find this like really really interesting as an operational forecaster because sometimes we do see kind of echoes of 
of this happening in the mid latitudes in like say a dingjet situation where you get the warm seclusion with a rapidly intensifying storm as it crosses the Atlantic and you know you get those really strong winds at the top of the atmosphere descending like you know to the to the surface and it briefly maybe becomes warm core for a second but warm core is really what you get with the hurricanes and, and tropical cyclones which are just absolutely cause ex- huge damage um, like where they occur so um, like I just find it all very kind of interesting <laughs> from that perspective. Just um, with medicaines, where are they getting their energy from? Are they, is it from the warm sea surface temperature or is it from convection or is it from both things? Is that how they keep going? Because sometimes I think I've heard that medicaines that have occurred that maybe when they move over, over land, they still have their energy. Whereas they're, so they're not like hurricanes in that way, because like once a hurricane moves in over land, it loses its engine and starts to kind of become weaker. Does that happen in a medicane as well? So, yeah, that, that's what you would expect from a, a real medicane is that it's also weakens very quickly okay. when it makes landfall. Yeah. So that would be similar to tropical cyclone. And this would exactly, as you said, reflect the fact that it takes its energy from convection. And convection is related to the extraction of uh, humidity from the sea surface, which needs to be warm. Okay. So these, these are related. So this is exactly what you would expect, again, from tropical cyclone and so forth, cyclone with tropical characteristics. Now, what's maybe special for, for medicaines is that, obviously, again, uh, the Mediterranean is not in the tropics. Mm, yeah. So <laughs> these cyclones, they are not born as tropical cyclones. So they usually form as classical mid-latitude baroclinic cyclones. Mm-hmm. And then they will somehow evolve for a part of the life cycle in a tropical, we say tropical-like cyclone. Yeah. It's also, it's smaller than an actual tropical cyclone and it's close to a tropical cyclone up to stop instance. So they usually start as classical cyclones with fronts, uh, with uh, strong influence for the upper level, etc., and at some time, they, at some point, they would get sufficiently isolated from the environment with sufficiently uh, strong winds over warm waters, which may make them sustain themselves. But this would just last for maybe a few days, just for a short phase, until landfall or until something happens that weakens the cyclone. You mentioned they're smaller than maybe a tropical cyclone. What kind of size are we talking about? A few hundreds of kilometers. Well, obviously the Mediterranean is not that big, so you couldn't have an actual tropical cyclone. And also if, I mean, uh, quickly the cyclone will will meet uh, some coasts, so it cannot last for weeks either. So the dimension in space and time must be uh, reduced compared to actual tropical cyclones. Okay, so they're they're both smaller and, and sort of shorter lived than maybe classical tropical cyclones. And considering this dependency on sea surface temperature and also these uh, the sort of the temperature gradients in the atmosphere, are these storms quite seasonal? Do we expect to see them at a certain time of the year? Yeah, so again, they would appear more in autumn and winter when the sea is still warm and particular when the sea is warm compared to the atmosphere, which is cooling faster than the sea. I mean, this year has a larger uh, inertia. Florian, we, re- we recently witnessed a very impactful Medicaine, um, well, it, something that was dubbed Medicaine, Storm Daniel. So can you walk us through the life cycle of, of that storm? Like what happened there? 
Yeah. So this uh, this storm formed in early September, and uh, I don't know about Ireland, but in, in France, in early September, we had a strong heat wave. Mm-hmm. We had a blocking situation, which was really nice. Now, if you move to the Union Sea, it's quite different. You had a cyclone uh, forming in uh, around the 5th of September, which had nothing to do with the Medjugorje at that point, at least. So it formed again as a classical extratropical cyclone. It already get, got famous, I mean, or infamous, because of a very intense floodings over Greece, Bulgaria, and Turkey. So what happened is that it brought a lot of precipitation. Because the large-scale situation was very stable, stationary, the cyclone didn't move either. So it just kept raining and raining and raining for several days. And only later on, so around the, the 10th of September, it started transitioning into a tropical cyclone, tropical-like cyclone, and that's when it arrived over Libya. So, and at that point, there was this um, disaster that uh, a dam broke, if I'm correct, and there were, like, a, a whole city was flooded with 10,000 fatalities. But most of the life cycle of this storm, Daniel, was a classical cyclone, and it's it was about, or it was transitioning just before landfall. And so one characteristic is that there was clearly convection in this case, intense convection, which is a tropical characteristic. Um, but I would not clearly say whether it was or not a medicane at the end, um, because, well, it's, it was not necessarily fully symmetric. Uh, I would say it was on the way maybe to, to become a tropical like cyclone. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, which is very valid, given that you're a researcher in this area. <laughs> So in terms of the impacts, the the rainfall was really the damaging factor with this storm. And I guess also you've mentioned there the fact that the storm was quite slow moving or stationary at some point. So it was was dropping an awful lot of rain on the same location. Is there a reason that the storm uh, had so much moisture, so much rainfall? Yeah, so I didn't check for this particular case, but uh, typically what happened is because the sea is warm, you get a lot of moisture, you get a lot of water vapor also in the air. Because warm air holds more water vapor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so this is just fuel for for precipitation. And uh, well, it can happen nowhere or it can happen as in this case. I mean, it can be like targeting a specific area and then it kept, keeps raining it raining. And again, uh, on top of this, if there's convection, means that you have much more intense rain than just some like large scale uh, rain. Yeah, I was reading somewhere that off the coast of Libya, the sea surface temperature was above 27 degrees, something like 27 and a half degrees, which was, which was I think, even high for that region. And I, I think you mentioned that there was almost a, a transition in the storm as it reached that area. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know sufficiently about this, uh, this specific storm to, uh, to answer what, what really happened at that point. It's also, I mean, it takes years sometimes to really understand what happens in a specific situation. From, from your own research, are there some medicanes or, or, or similar storms that have had a similar impact or that have been notable for their intensity? Have you, have you, have you come across them in your research that have been, um, obviously the, the one that's in the news now is Storm Daniel, but are there others that you have come across in your own research? Yeah, so we're currently working on a previous case, which, cause, uh, which was called Janos. Uh, and it's just like the archetypal medicane. It's really like, if you look at it, you feel that you are looking at a tropical cyclone. There's this strong convection organizing around uh, central core, etc. So it's a kind of 
perfect case. It also, I mean, perfect from a research point of view, not for people who were uh, affected course, by the, yeah. the storm, of course, because there was also extreme winds. It reached, if I'm correct, uh, the equivalent of category two in the Safi Simpson scale for hurricanes. So it was really an extreme uh, case. Also in this same region of uh, the Union Sea, only went the other way around, so more from Libya to Greece in this case. So Florian, have we seen an increase in the number of medicanes or their intensity in recent years? Like, are there projections to how medicane behaviour may change in the future? I must say this is not really my strong topic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, well, I know a few things. Um, More than me. Con- concerning, <laughs> <laughs> I think we, 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 can, we should separate between uh, what we expect mm-hmm. from climate change, from projects and projections and what we can observe nowadays. And I'm not sure we can really say anything about trends, trends up to now, because again, these cases are quite rare mm-hmm. um, compared to tropical cyclones. In the tropics, depending on the basin, you get maybe 10 cyclones per year. Uh, you have records for, I don't know, one century or something. And if there's a cyclone in the tropics, you know it's a tropical cyclone, obviously. With medicaments, it's much more difficult. So I'm not sure we can say much about... I mean, we have now a few very strong events in the past years. Is it by chance? Is it a signal? I don't know. What we expect in general is that, uh, well, with climate warming, not only the atmosphere is warming, also uh, the ocean is warming, also the Mediterranean Sea is warming. If you have this warmer sea, then it means, again, you have a stronger potential for, well, convection and for this intensification of cyclones and for this transition from classical to uh, tropical-like cyclones. So that's basically what you expect. So warmer sea, also warmer atmosphere, uh, more moisture, etc. So you expect stronger events, not necessarily more events, but more intense uh, events of, of that type. As someone who researches these storms, a, a big positive uh, outcome of, of research into these areas will be hopefully the ability to f- to forecast and predict them better because of the fact we've seen how impactful they are, right? Is there ongoing work in trying to improve the forecasting of these storms and, and then maybe not only forecasting, but also providing warnings for the people in their path? Yeah, so... Um I take the opportunity to advertise <laughs> a, uh, an ongoing uh, research network called uh, MedCyclones, so, which is not only about Medicaines, but about Mediterranean cyclones in general, where we collaborate with uh, colleagues from the whole of uh, Europe on better understanding these cyclones and with the hope that this also is then impacts the, the quality of, of forecast. Also, the, un- the understanding of forecast, I, I guess as a forecaster, you know this, that it's not just that, well, your model is better. It's also you know you want to know what's going on, what's to to understand, to to interpret features, etc. So we're working on this uh, with all these colleagues, and uh, well, this uh, this project has been uh, uh, going on for three years. We have uh, one year left, so we're trying to uh, to publish also now the outcomes of this project. Okay, that was the advertisement. Uh, now, one one thing we 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 realized. I mean, we knew it before. Is that well, in the Mediterranean, you have a lot of countries. Okay, that's not nothing really new. You have a lot of countries. Well, a lot of people speaking different, different languages. <laughs> you yeah. have a lot of people speaking different languages. That's true. You have countries with very different infrastructure. And if we come back to this recent case of Storm Daniel, you wouldn't expect to have 
10,000 fatalities if this storm would reach, I don't know, Italy, for instance. Because the infrastructure is different. It's not just about weather forecasts, of course. It's about, well, how the dams are maintained, whatever. But you have many countries with different capabilities for weather forecasts, maybe for communicating the results, the forecast for for warning, etc. And so one thing which is lacking in the Mediterranean, if you come... If you think about tropical cyclones, so the WMO, the World Meteorological Organization, has official centers in each basin. And these centers will emit official warnings. They will give names to the cyclones. They will emit warnings in different languages. I mean, all the languages of the basin. And that are easy to understand and that are also reliable. And you don't have this for the Mediterranean. So some countries have a strong weather service, and others, maybe they don't have this, or they don't have, of course, this. You can think between the northern and the southern side of the Mediterranean. You have a very large uh, contrast. And so that's something that would be very important, is to have, I don't know how and who, but to have one central source of information that would be very important. It's not just about improving the forecast. It's a bit about improving the communication of these forecasts. I suppose it's kind of, you know, you're looking for a similar kind of idea of what's happening with, um, you know, the United States and the Hurricane Centre there, where they look after all the little islands in the Caribbean, um, you know, and they're the central base to issue warnings for them. Yeah, it's way more complicated with the Mediterranean because, you know, there's big countries, small countries, north-south divide. I can imagine that that's quite a um, a challenging proposition um, to be coming up with. And is that is that what the research you've been working on the last couple of years? What that's Is that kind of what it's about? or but Not my own research. My, my own research is more about the physical processes, okay. but also some colleagues within this network uh, are working, working on, on impacts. Yeah, because there is something there at the moment, which is a Europe-wide thing, the meteo alarm um, system. But I, yeah, I can imagine, you know, for different countries... Being on Meteor Alarm, like you have different levels of expertise and of weather services as well. Yeah. Yeah. And again, so this Meteor Alarm, so I'm not fully aware of how it works because I'm not working at the weather okay. service. Uh, but it's uh, maintained by the UMetNet. Mm-hmm. So, and UMetNet means European. <laughs> so, again, so you, for, you forget with this half North of the Africa. I think it's, yeah. I think, yeah. So I think it's great to have this kind of networks, but it's not, it's likely not. Yeah, it's something we need the WMO to step in and, uh, yeah, organize it. And that was another thing, though. Like, how do they come up with the names of the storms? Like, you know, is is it just like Greece decides or <laughs> or um, or wherever it happens? And is there a list um, or anything like that? Or is it just completely disorganized? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, there are two points. So the, the good thing is that um, for a few years there have been a, an agreement between the, the countries, just as there is for uh, for the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm correct, it's like Highlands and... Uh, the, UK uh, the UK and the Netherlands. And the Netherlands, thank you. Yeah. Which are one zone, another one is France, Portugal, Spain, and mm-hmm. they have lists of storms. And so they agree on this, and when there's an important storm coming, like the last one, which hit France last night, yeah. with a Gaelic name that no one wants, knows how to pronounce. You tell me afterwards. <laughs> Karen, Karen. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. So I mean, th- I think this is great. This is a kind of organization. People agree on this. So this happens now in the midstream. I mean, this is the third season now, maybe. 
staircase. So th this is great. Mm -hmm. Now, this is for Mediterranean cyclones in general. It's not for Medicaines. And why? Because we don't know how to define the Medicaine yet. Mm -hmm. And that's a big question. And uh, that's, of course, a question we are working on within this network. Well, do you just rely on this satellite observation, so on the morphology of the storm? That's not sufficient. Do you rely on this warm core within the storm? That's better, but that's still not sufficient. So you need to make sure the Medicaine is really driven by convection. I mean, that the... the The energy really comes from convection. So you need satellite observation to complement. You may want to put some additional thresholds of how strong the winds and precipitation are, etc. And so we're working on this within the scientific community, within the research community to have a common standard. This is important for research, but this is, we think, very important also for forecasts because as it is now, so there was a, a case called Zorbas, Medicin Zorbas some years ago. Why it's called Zorbas? Because someone just thought, oh, that would be a funny name for Medicaine that hit Greece, Zorbas, Zorba the Greek. That's it. So it's Twitter that decided, or someone that decided. And that's obviously not a good thing, not just on a philosophical point of view, but if you want to convey a clear message, so far it's still kind of, well, the first one who decides it's a Medicaine and has enough followers decides it's a Medicaine. That's it. So we need to work on this. Uh, now it's within the research community, but also with weather services. And that would be important on top of naming the storms, saying this one is a Medicaine, so expect something special, or this one is just a classical Mediterranean cyclone. We've, we've mentioned a number of times how important satellite observations have been for both discovering these storms in the first place and also for their research. And I'm sure you're aware that there's a whole new fleet of next generation satellites being launched by Europe in the next few years. So hopefully we'll have you know, higher resolution and new different observation types and profiles through the atmosphere, things like that. Is that something that you're, uh, that is on your radar, so to speak, and that is exciting for people researching Medicaines? Yeah, so I'm not... Um aware of every specific instrument that will that will fly and help us better uh, understand or characterize the, the Medicaines. Uh, but of course, yeah, we are, that's very important again, because overseas, there's not much, there are not many alternative sources of, uh, of observations. And with satellites, I mean, some satellites, the geostationary satellites are just observing all the time. That's great. But that, it just gives you some information And otherwise, you need to be lucky to have a satellite passing at the right time at the right place. And this is a bit random. So, of course, we are very, um, we use such information a lot, but it's not necessarily for each and every case. Well, it's been really useful to get a sense of these storms, particularly when we've been hearing so much about them recently in the media. And uh, I think you've given us a really clear insight into what is, I guess, a developing science and the need to understand these storms better. So thank you for giving us your time. Really enjoyed the chat and I'm sure we'll talk again sometime soon. Yeah, thanks a lot. It's been my pleasure. Thanks, Florian. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Our thanks again to Florian for joining us and for giving us great insight on Medicaines. As always, if you have any thoughts or questions on today's episode, you can get in touch on MedAaron's social channels or drop an email to podcast at met.ie. And if you're not already subscribed, you can do so wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Speak to you soon. <laughs>